You know what? It's good to be together in, in this place to worship the Lord together like this. I know that singing, singing is not everyone's cup of tea, but oh, I love these songs. I've loved these songs. This is very powerful this morning. You know, Christ is our living hope. This is just a reminder, right, that this life is not all there is. This is life is, this is where we are right now, but this is not all there is. We have this eternal life with Christ forever, or this living hope and Christ in us right now, experiencing this eternal life right here and now. So um, there's reason for joy in the midst of all things. Um, I want to say something about 100 days just before we get into the message because um, I've gone through the 100 days before and I had an interesting story from someone who was an introvert. And uh, this was a woman who was talking with her husband and said, you know what, I do not want to go. I want to pray, but I don't want to be in a small group with a couple of people that I don't know. I'm an introvert. I just find it hard to make conversation and generate this kind of stuff. So her husband said, you know what, I'll pray for you. She said, yeah, pray for me because I'm going to go. So she went and it was supposed to be an hour and a half. And she was back in an hour. And he asked, well, how did it go? And she said, well, actually... The other two people in my group, they're both introverts too. We had it all said in 45 minutes. <laughs> so they came home. And what happened was over the next uh, 10 times, the next nine times they met together, they began to enjoy one another. And being an introvert doesn't mean you don't have anything to say and you don't have any thoughts. It's not it at all. It means that you get more, more, most of your energy by being on your own, right? And so to be with other people, they became good friends and they were spending the full hour and a half talking and, and sharing fellowship together and praying for their church and, and, and the insights that God was giving them, they were able to share with the, with the other leaders in the church. So there's just a word of encouragement to you if you're an introvert and you say, I don't wanna go to this thing. Well, anyway, uh, I think you can still sign up tonight. I think. So uh, if you have any inkling at all, you have any sense that God is calling you to pray diligently over the next 100 days for the church and with other people in the church, then come on tonight and we'll see what happens. What time is it tonight? Seven, Seven o'clock tonight. So uh, we'll see how it goes. Okay. Now, um, over the last couple of weeks, we've been asking the question, whose church is this anyway and who's leading this church? And of course, this is the church, Jesus Christ instituted his church, right? And so he loves his church. He loves you. He is smiling this morning to see you here, worshiping him and, uh, and, and ready to grow in your Christian life. So, um, and, and, and Jesus, thinking about the church, was praying for us uh, before he went to the cross and before he rose again, he was praying for us. And um, so I'd like us to read this passage of scripture that comes from John uh, chapter 17. This is a section out of Jesus' prayer for the church. And uh, I'm going to ask you to stand again as we read. This is just out of respect for the word of God. And I had somebody say to me this week, are we going to have to stand every time we read the Bible? And so I felt like saying, you know what? You, you go to a gym during the week and you pay to get exercise. 
we're giving this to you for free. So stand up and get over it. All right, here we go. <laughs> anyway, this is the word of God, and this is Jesus' prayer for us. It's really quite amazing. So let's see what he, what he prayed. My prayer is not, yeah, go ahead, is not for them alone. By the way, he's praying for his disciples, the 12 who are around him, right, at the Last Supper. And he's saying, okay, so I'm praying not just for the 12 here, but also, we'll see, uh, we'll start again, shall we? My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Isn't that beautiful? So you can be seated. Let's look at this thing. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through the message. So who would this be he's praying for? Those who've believed because of the message of the disciples? I'm asking for a response here somehow. Somebody be, be <laughs> us. It's for us. And actually somebody this week said, okay, don't be too upset if we don't reply too fast if you're asking us a question because we're not too accustomed to that. So I'm not really annoyed at you if you don't. Okay. <laughs> okay, here we go. So anyway, pray for, he's praying for us that all of them may be one, so all the people trusting in Jesus Christ may be one, just as there's this incredible unity in the, in the Trinity, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, in perfect unity. You cannot picture them having an argument, right? You cannot picture the Holy Spirit saying, well, I'd like to be the first person of the Trinity, if you don't mind. You can't, this is just ludicrous, right? There's such unity there. And so he's saying, Jesus is praying, Look, just as there's this unity in the, in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, may there be the same kind of unity among all of us here. Um, may they also be in us so that, and here's the purpose of it, so that the world may believe that you've sent me. We'll come to that again later. I've given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. So when we gather together in unity with one another and when we work really hard at that unity, Ephesians chapter four says, make every effort to guard the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And why does he say make every effort? As if it's difficult. <laughs> because sometimes it is difficult, is it? Sometimes it is difficult. So this is Jesus praying for us that we will make every effort to guard. He's given us this unity and he's asking us to guard it. Really, be careful. So, uh, and why? So, uh, so that the world may believe. I have given them the glory that you gave me. There's a glory, a God-given glory when we're united together. Uh, that they may be one as we are one, I and them, you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. So the first point is this today, is that our unity 
our, our unity helps people believe that Jesus is really God. Our unity has an incredible effect. Unity creates belief and that this really matters to God. So a few years ago, I had a chance to go to a big, big gathering of um, actually 42,000 pastors had gathered together. You'd hardly know there were that many around, right? But 42,000, we gathered in, um, in uh, the, the dome in Atlanta, Georgia. It was a huge place and just loaded. And um, Max Lucado, anybody read anything by Max or Max Lucado? He's written a lot. Anyway, he was one of the speakers and he used a very creative um, illustration to talk about the church. And what he said is that the, the church itself is like this big, big ocean-going ship, huge ship, and there are lots of people on board this ship uh, sailing, you know, through life. And he said that, um, in fact, this big vessel of God, this ship of Jesus Christ, and all of us are enlisted into the Navy. So we're all on board this ship, okay? The, the big ship. And what he said is that there are some people who are really serious Christians on board this, they frown all the time. They're always worried and fretting about every bad thing that's happening in the world. And of course, they're at the stern of the ship. Thank you. I'm I heard a snicker. <laughs> and there are others who are just sort of on the other side of this, that they, are, um, they love to pray, they love to sing, they love to worship, um, they love to talk to the captain, they're always on their knees, and they are in the bow. Thank you, we're moving on here. Uh, there's another whole group who are down in the boiler room all the time because they love the nuts and bolts. How does this thing work? I want to study, 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 find out how this whole thing works. And... Um, they're, they are uh, growing in their knowledge. And there's another group that's up on the deck. The deck, the sun is in their face, the wind is in their hair, and they're just full of worship, and they grow in their experience. And there are others who are really concerned because there are a lot of little boats out there in the ocean as well, and every one of the little boats out there has a hole in it. And so these people on board the big ship, they're always concerned. How are we going to get those people out of those little boats? Get them on board the ship because this is the place to be. They need to be safe. They need to be here with us. And so they do a lot of that. They make these rescue missions. They go out and they're looking for those people in those boats, taking, um, taking people on board. And there are others who are on board the boat who think, you know what, our major thing is to take care of the people who are already on board the boat. So we'll care for these people who are here with us already. There are some who know that the ship is going to face a storm, a big storm of tribulation, and uh, they think that actually they're going to be off the boat, though, before the storm comes, and others think they're going to be on the boat for half of this storm, and then they'll be taken off, and others think, no, no, we're going to be on board the whole time, and we're going to get off afterwards. It's over. There are some uh, who are in their stateroom. Like they stay all the time in the stateroom. They never come out of their own room. And they honestly think they're the only ones on board the whole ship. <laughs> some of you are laughing because some of us were raised in a church like that. We honestly thought we were the only ones. Did we not? 
<laughs> so here's the thing. All of them communicate with the captain. Everybody communicates with the captain, but all sort of do it differently. Some are on their knees. Some are standing up. Some have their hands raised. Some would not raise their hands <laughs> if you tried to force them up. Um, and uh, everybody is different in the way they talk with the captain, but everybody talks to the captain. And um, as you walk around the ship, you find people are so, so different. There's some in suits and ties. There's some in blue jeans and t-shirts. Some actually have tattoos and piercings. And the people in the ties look over and say, what are you doing on board the ship? <laughs> and because of those differences on board the ship, sometimes fights break out. People get angry with one another. And there are people in those little boats out there with the holes, holes in the boats, and they look at the big ship going by, and they see people fighting on board the ship, and they say, I think I'll stay you know, in my little boat because I don't want to get caught in the crossfire up there. So Jesus prays for us. You with me? Jesus prays for us that we will have this kind of unity and love so that when the world looks at the big ship going by and says, oh my, how they love one another, they'll say, how do I get on board that ship? How do I get into a community like that where there's love, such love for one another? Because unity creates belief. And this really matters to God. It really does. Everything about God is unity. And he calls for us to have this kind of love and unity with one another. So, you know, um, if unity creates belief, then what does disunity create? Hmm. Could it be the secret to reaching the world, to reaching more people for Christ, is for us to really make every effort to guard the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace? For us, we can't talk about other people. We're only responsible for ourselves, right? For us to be the ones who are leading the way in love and unity and togetherness like this. So, make every effort to guard the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I had the chance to go to another big meeting. <laughs> and uh, in this meeting, there were people from really all over the world. And the theme of this meeting was our unity in Christ. It was actually beautiful. So um, they had a First Nations speaker here at this meeting. And his name was Tom Claus. He was actually born just down the road, Six Nations Indian Reserve, just outside of Brantford. Where, where I grew up, by the way, Brantford. And um, I remember there were some First Nations kids who came to our school when I was there, Brantford Collegiate Institute and Vocational School. And um, I had a couple of friends from the reserve, but I wasn't aware of First Nations issues at all, honestly. But Tom Claus uh, was, was born there and he became a Christian and uh, he's a leader in First Nations issues in North America. And uh, here's what he said. He stood in front of us all, and he said this. Um, As First Nations people, this was all our land. 
He says, now we, we live on about 2% of North America. He said, uh, we used to be about 12 million First Nations people. Now we're about 250,000. He said there were about 1,000 treaties that were written with us, and about 40 have been kept. And he looked at us and he said, but I want you to know something. I'm thankful to God that the white people came, that you white people came to North America because you told us about Jesus. This doesn't change all of the hurt that's been done. And I hope as a church we're aware of First Nations issues in our land and that whatever we can do for unity anywhere is part of God's will for us. But when he said that, he had tears. You could hear, you could see the tears in his eyes and in his voice that he was thankful for the good news of Jesus in spite of the displacement and all the hardships that First Nations people have gone through. Jesus is really the hope of the world. Jesus is the one who wants to break down barriers. I love the idea that here at Forest View, part of the tag here is church without walls, that the Lord will be breaking down the barriers and the walls that keep us from experiencing him, and that God will be breaking down the walls that keep us from really loving and knowing one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, and that God will be breaking down the walls that keep us from reaching out into our community with the good news of Jesus to people who don't know him yet. It's a lovely, it's a lovely theme to have. So unity really matters to God. I think you're with me on this because it creates belief. Now, what could divide us is the next question. What are the things that could divide us? Well, I think culture could because maybe some of us have come from different parts in the world, but you know what? Even if you come from rural Ontario to city Ontario, urban, there are different cultures, right? So culture could really uh, divide us in many ways. Um, language, social standing, uh, some of us are wealthier financially than others. Some of us are struggling to make the mortgage. Um, gender issues could separate us. Theological issues could, gener could uh, separate us. All kinds of things. Music styles could separate us. I mean, there have been church fights over music styles. You know that. Some of us like the old hymns. A lot of us like new music. And a lot of us like blended stuff. And some of us think there are only two kinds of music country, and western. <laughs> but there are other varieties, right? And so I have a very eclectic kind of uh, love for, for music. But there are so many things that could divide us. Um, I want to tell you a story about a group that I know and have been with in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Um, these were folks who came from Ethiopia and Eritrea. And they, they came and they were worshiping in a church there in Halifax. And what happened was that there was a division in the church. And they actually split. 
And so there were some other leaders in, in the church that was hosting them who came and talked with the leaders of both sides. And they said, you know what? This is really not honoring to the Lord for this to happen. We'd love to do everything we can do to try to reconcile and so on. And as they talked and so on, both sides said, you know what? Is this is, we can't do it. It's impossible. So they separated and they were apart for a number of years. A couple of years ago, I think it was about three years actually after their split, that the Lord spoke to the leaders of this side and of the other side. The Lord revealed to them that their, their division was not honoring to God and was not honoring to what Jesus did for them all on the cross to give them unity, to bring them into the same family. And so what they did was the leaders from both sides went to the leaders of the host church and they said, can you help us reconcile? And they worked on it and they got together. And this morning, they're worshiping together in Halifax, Nova Scotia. How does this happen? That when there's this vision of what Christ has really accomplished for us on the cross, then we're prepared to forgive and we're ready to bring glory to God in the way we react in every circumstance. Our first goal is, in any conflict, in any division, in any kind of difficulty that we have. Now this works in marriage, this works in church, this works wherever we are. Our first goal is, oh man, the way I behave here, I've got to bring glory to God in the way I behave. The way I respond to whatever's said to me, whatever's done to me, the way I behave and respond, I've got to, it's got to bring glory to God in the way, in the way I, I respond. So, there are lots of things that could divide us, but, um, but love is really the key. And that's this uh, next thing that will come up here. So, I'd like us to read a couple of these verses because uh, there are so many verses that talk about the priority of love. So, here's one. Love is the key, 1 Thessalonians 3.12. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for one another and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. Isn't that interesting? This is Paul writing, of course, and he's saying that he really loves them. And he's praying that their love for one another will increase and even overflow for all of them and then for people outside as well, for everyone else. Let's look at the next one here. This is 1 Timothy 1.5. Paul's writing again. He says, the goal of this command is love. And so, let me stop for a minute. I love theological thinking. I went to seminary for four years. I love theology. But the goal of all of this is not to understand theology. Are you with me? I'm not dissing theology. Please. Are you with me? <laughs> he's saying, God is saying through him that the goal of it all is love, that there's transformation in the, way, in the way we are with one another. Oh, and it's so easy to read this thing and say, oh yeah, I wish all those people would love one another better. I'm okay, but you know, the goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. And just to show you, yesterday, Ruth and I were at a gathering and that's all the information you're going to get, all right? And when we were on our way home, I was expressing to Ruth my disappointment with the way that gathering went. And uh, I was kind of 
dumping on or how I, I'd hoped for this, this person to respond differently and for that person to respond differently and so on. And I found myself complaining kind of, kind of ugly, you know, kind of not very loving, like judgmental, really, I guess you'd have to say. And so Ruth, in all her wisdom and grace, said, so what are you thankful for about this? I thought, oh, that's just a way better way to go, isn't it? I'm at least thankful that we were able to get together, even though our gathering wasn't 100% what I hoped it would be. But I just, I'm just saying that what naturally comes out at times is not very positive and not very helpful. It's much more critical and judgmental. But love is really the key, and the goal is that we'll have this kind of love in us, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. I think there's another verse coming up here as well. Uh, and we looked at this last week just a bit. A new command I give you. Well, what's new about this? Love one another. We all know that. But what's really new about it is that the way Jesus loved us, that was new. Love one another as I've loved you, so you must love one another. And if this sounds a little repetitive, this notion that the way we love each other creates belief in others, Look at it again. Here's Jesus. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you have this kind of love for one another. So this love is so important. Um, so next question, how do we show this love and unity? This is so important to God. How do we show this? And um, words, first of all, the words that we use to one another that come out of our mouths are so important. Proverbs uh, 18 and 21 says that the power of life and death is in the tongue. And there was a study that was done uh, a few years ago about words, and uh, what they found was that in the average home for every one positive statement, there were 10 negative statements. I don't know about your home, but that was what they found. And in the average school, for every one positive statement, there were send seven negative statements. Now, it's easy to say, stop that, stop that. No, don't do it that way. Um, it's easy to have those negative statements, right? Um, they also found that it took four positive statements to kind of overcome one negative statement. So that when you, when you bring a negative statement, it takes a while to actually uh, make it right. <laughs> And the example that was given was if, you, if somebody buys a new shirt or a new dress or a new something or other, and you have, a, you have a few people who say, oh, looks good on you, looks good. And one of your best friends to you say, it's just not you. <laughs> what do you do? You maybe take it back to the store, right? And you turn it back in because a negative statement seems to be so strong to us. So anyway, for us to be careful of our words, in the way we talk to one another, do not let any unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but only what is profitable for building others up, Ephesians 4 and 29. For building them up according to their needs, that it may, um, that it may benefit those who listen. Hebrews 3.13 let us encourage one another daily so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And so what I'm thinking is this, that for every one of us, right, 
There's stuff that happens to us every day that's hardening. There's just the, the, the hard stuff of life that's really difficult to handle at times. And so we, and it hardens us. And so we're told, make every effort here to, uh, no, let us encourage one another daily so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Because sin deceitfully gets in and hardens us and sort of brings us to behaviors that we don't really want to do. So um, this business of our, our, um, our words being so important. So a couple, of, a couple of illustrations maybe. One would be, how, what do we do when people who have been with us and worshiping together leave us? Can we ask that question here this morning? Some of you are saying, I don't think so. And I say, yeah, I think we better. I think we better. What do we do? Well, love is the key. We pray for them. We're really careful what we say. We pray that actually God will bless them. And that somehow God will use them in their new location to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to others. Is this easy? It's not easy, but we're called to the standard to love people and to honor the Lord. And the way we behave then, the way we respond, whatever happens, first of all, has to bring glory to God. So we pray for them. And you know what? If we ever get a chance to talk with them, we say, you know, if it doesn't work out in your new location, you are always welcome back here. We miss you. We love you. Does this make sense? that this is what Christ calls us to. He loves this. It's so important to him. Um, well, let's get to the last point here. Our words are so important, and our actions are also so important, right? So uh, Luke 6, I love this passage. Do not judge, and you'll not be judged. Now, right there, this, I'm just telling you, I was judging others yesterday. Okay, forgive me, Lord. Help me to change. Uh, do not condemn and you'll not be condemned. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Give and it'll be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap for with the measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. I love this illustration. It's an agricultural illustration. You think about coming and buying um, like a bushel of corn maybe, okay? And the one person is really cheap, so they pour the corn in and then they scrape across the top and level it out and they say, there's your bushel of corn, pay me the money. But there's another person who's very generous in the way they are. And so they get the, bear, uh, the bushel of corn here and then what they do is uh, they pour a good measure in first of all, so it's heaped. And then what they do is they press it down to make sure it's, they get more in there. And then they shake it. They shake the thing so that more will fit. And then they run more on top so that it's running over. The generosity. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it, eh? And so what he's saying here is that the way we measure out to other people, it'll be measured back to us. It's just, it's a life principle, really. It's a truth that's out there for us to be this kind of person. So I'm thinking of what you were looking at over September was the idea of generosity, I think, right? There it is. How can we be really generous with one another here and whoever? And hospitable, I think, was the second idea of having 
people in our homes or being together. It could be the, you know, it could be meeting at Timmy's. It doesn't have to be at your own house, but you just, you're just saying, can we get together? Hospitality. And then peacemaking. We're peacemakers, called to be peacemakers. So, um, why should we do this? And I think this is where we conclude right here. How do we show this in our words and our actions? Why should we do this? First of all, because it is so important to Jesus. He prays for this, doesn't he? He prays for our unity because it's so important to him. The second thing is that our unity demonstrates the very character of God. There's so much disunity in the world. Um, I think we're all pretty distracted by the stuff that happens to that country to the south of us. Can we talk about that this morning? <laughs> Not for too long, I hope. Um, but the thing is that there's this distraction of polarization. Is it true? And we're polarized in our own nation just the same way. Um, and so this is not how God wants it to be. It's so important to God that we work on this unity. And it demonstrates the character of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit unity. And he wants us to work on this too. That the love of Christ trumps everything. Oh, you can't say Trump. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> The love of Christ supersedes everything else, right? Brothers and sisters in Christ, here we are. And the final thing is this, that Jesus died for this. He did not die just to get us to heaven. He died to also get a lot of heaven into us right here and now. Is this true? And he calls on us to humbly acknowledge our own failures in this, and I'm, I'm telling you some of my failures this morning, and my longing and desire to be an agent for peace and unity and oneness within the body of Christ. And I believe that you are desiring the same thing, aren't you? And you know what? This is the conclusion of the message, that we're going to pray and we're going to ask God for that heart of unity and pledge ourselves and say, I will make every effort to guard the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And in a moment, we're gonna take communion and we're gonna take communion together this morning. They're gonna be around the room again. So I'd ask you to go and get the bread, but don't eat it, and get the cup and take it back to your seat and then as a symbol of our unity, I will lead you in a time to eat the bread and to take the cup, all of us together at the same time. Does this make sense? Okay. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Lord Jesus, thank you that you died on the cross to give us this eternal kind of life that not only gets us to heaven to be with you forever in eternity, but that brings some heaven to us now to change us and transform us. We want to be your agents of unity and peace and love in this world and in this church and in our marriages, in our homes, in our workplace. So Lord, would you help us and renew us, we pray, to make every effort to guard the unity of the Spirit 
in the bond of peace. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, uh, when the time is right, take the bread, take the cup, and then we'll just sit and meditate on this. Okay, thank you.